Hello and welcome to Move the Line presented by PropSwap. Head over to PropSwap.com or download the app today. Enter our promo code 444 and you make your first deposit. PropSwap will match it up to $500. I'm Ryan Noonan joined here as always by Connor Allen. Connor, four games, much better than just uh, 16 games where we're forced to talk about uh, you know, Texans, Jags, and, uh, you know, Jets, Dolphins games. So uh, how are we doing, buddy? Good. I mean, it's not only four games. It's like four good games, you know, four games games. where I feel comfortable handicapping them. Uh, and, you know, I don't feel like trapped, like, oh, does this team even care? You know, none, none of that. Or like even like, you know, even last week, there's feel like some of those teams just didn't really, you know, belong. Uh, and so I feel like this time everyone belongs. They're all good teams. I'm excited uh, for this week for sure. Me too. Also excited about our guest. One of our favorites uh, joined us last year and uh, was definitely one of our more popular shows and just one of the best minds in the space from a football and from a betting standpoint is our friend Eric Eager from PFF. Eric, what is going on, buddy? Ryan Connor, uh, thanks for having me on. And um, yeah, I'm also excited for this week. I think, uh, you know, even though everybody showed up to watch last week in, in record numbers, that doesn't mean the games were good. And I think the game's uh, as you guys said, we'll both, we'll all be. I think they're all relatively evenly matched this week too, and 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 it should be fun. Yeah, we everything's you know within a touchdown, most are within a field goal, so we should get some some good playoff football this week for sure. So uh, I want to remind you, we're still doing our prop drop show on Friday. So wherever you are watching or listening, subscribe so you don't miss a show. We continue all the way through the Super Bowl, continue through the off season. We have some plans to continue uh, keeping the uh, lights on here uh, more consistently. The off season, they know. We love betting the draft, and we're starting to get since there are fewer games. We're starting to get some, you know, draft props. We've already moved some lines in the Discord today, betting some, uh, you know, some speculative number one picks. So we're going to start to get into that market here pretty aggressively over the next couple of months. So definitely hang out with us. Uh, we just switched the lights on for the 2022 betting sub. Uh, now available four 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 dot com slash plans. Buy that sub now. It takes you through the end of February of 2023. So basically 13 months of all of our betting content, which gets you everything on the site. So if you are still grinding DFS, if you are a season-long player, uh, you're going to do Dynasty, you're going to do Best Ball, all of those things, all available at 444 with the betting sub. So definitely want to check that out. So uh, let's get into it, guys. There are, again, two games Saturday and two on Sunday. And we will start with... uh, not Eric's team, but his hometown team currently where he's located. we got the Bengals on the road in Tennessee. Uh, market's kind of stabilized here. There was a little bit of action early, but now it's basically three and a half across the board on the Tennessee side. 47 is the total. Kind of the perfect storm here where, and it's not uncommon in, in the playoffs too, where we have a situation where we really want to overrate what we saw in wildcard weekend, right? We are goldfish as people. We can only remember what we saw last. And the last thing we saw was, Cincinnati performing well and Tennessee had the week off and Tennessee is basically considered if not the worst number one seed ever it's not a team that's getting a whole lot of respect I think three and a half getting the hook in the market Eric feels a little bit like some respect but uh, talk to me about this spot yeah this is one where you know I think this is where player level models I think do really well because when you look at the team level, right, like you, you have Aaron Schatz from Pro Football, uh, Football Outsiders, you have ESPN FBI, you have all the sort of team level metrics would suggest the Titans are one of the worst number one seeds that we've ever seen, right? And, you know, they come in and it, it's not quite that way. I know the Eagles in 2017 were underdogs in this spot against Atlanta, you know, whereas the Titans are getting more uh, than a full field goal here. Um, but this is where 
you know, we've seen this Titans team with Julio Jones, with A.J. Brown, with Derrick Henry beat teams like Kansas City like a drum. We've seen them beat teams like Buffalo, who I think right now, you know, looked unbeatable last week. And, and we just haven't seen that because of injuries, because of ineffective play at times. Like there has been sort of this lull since basically, you know, Derrick Henry got hurt. Now he's coming back and then you have to have the questions of, okay, Larry Ogunjobi is out for the Bengals. Uh, you know, DJ readers banged up, although he's not on the injury reports. Uh, the linebacker level for the Bengals not, isn't, is probably their weakest level on the defense. And so I think people, when they saw the number open at three, really gravitated towards Tennessee there and, and sort of bought into this idea that we were all overreacting to the Bengals. Um, now that it's at three and a half and the total, I think 47, again, that's depending, you know, it's, it's basically for me, depending upon whether you think the Titans who have the lowest neutral situation pass rate in the league, whether they open it up and, and, and exploit some of the issues with Brown, with, with Julio Jones, or they run the football and do so effectively. I, I kind of like the Bengals in this spot just because I don't necessarily think the Titans are going to come out and be as effective running the football as we all believe they would be once they got Derrick Henry back. I just don't think it's trivial that he'll come back and be the sort of best running back in football right away, um, especially given that the Tennessee offensive line has been banged up all year and has and has struggled as well at times. And they performed well without him. I mean, theoretically, really, you look at from a replacement level standpoint, like Foreman was pretty good. You know, there's some underlying metrics that look very similar to when Derrick Henry's out there. You know, we could talk about if schemes are different when they have to respect Derrick Henry and those things I think are, are valid for sure. More so, I think the impact that we get with AJ Brown and, and whatever we get from Julio from a snap standpoint, uh, you know, maybe we see a little bit more of that too, but uh, Connor, what are your early thoughts here? I know you've been on the Bengals here quite often here leading into the playoffs and very much worse. So last week too, what are your thoughts here in the spot? Yeah. I mean, we, we did talk about it last week that, you know, looking ahead speculatively like the Bengals would then, you know, as long as the Bills took care of business, would be playing this Titans team. Uh, and so, you know, I thought they had a good good chance here to uh, potentially win. I grabbed a chunk, chunk of Cincy plus four, some money line at like plus 175. Uh, and that was around for a little bit there on, on DraftKings. Um, I just, I, this Titans team has been all over the place. I mean, Eric mentioned, you know, that they beat some of the, they've beaten four of the seven remaining playoff teams, actually, in Buffalo, Kansas City, San Fran, and the Rams. Yet they got smashed by the Patriots and Cardinals and lost to the Steelers, Texans, and Jets. Uh, I mean, again, a lot of that was – there was a lot of injuries, but still it's like – I mean, the number one seed shouldn't be losing to those caliber teams. Uh, and I think that it really depends on what kind of Titans we see. I'm pretty confident, you know, like when I like to handicap these like big games is that like what are we confident in? And I'm pretty confident that the Titans try and come out and run the ball. Uh, you know, how – and I think that like whether or not Cincinnati's able to, you know, kind of – stop that or at least slow it enough, um, you know, could dictate the game. And also another factor is, will Cincinnati be able to hit a long pass early and kind of make the Titans open the game? Because if they do that, then I think that this game is, I mean, we're talking like, I think 50-50 at best, you know, if not, I would like the Bengals if the Titans have to open the game up here. So um, I, I don't I don't know. I think that at that point though, like kind of with everything said, I think that Cincy plus four is the right side for me. Cincy plus three and a half, I think anything above three, I like them there. Yeah, what about any, any thoughts on the total, the team total on the Bengals side, 21, probably 22 and change most books. Um, you know, that probably is an interesting lean. But again, like if, if the Tennessee Titans are running heavily, we're going to have a pretty slow script on their side too. And they've been pretty neutral all season there. So 
I don't know. The, the Jamar Chase stuff is interesting too. When you look over the last three full games, like they are going to their best player. He's been pounded with targets 10, 12, and 12 the last three weeks and just dominating like 30 target, 30% target share, 50% of the air yards. And Tennessee just doesn't have the dudes in the back end, I think, to slow him down either. So, you know, the 28th and explosive pass rate over the last seven weeks too. So they've been gashed a little bit in the softer part of their schedule against some pretty weak offenses. So, so that leans itself too to more of a Joe Burrow leaning on Joe Burrow. You know, I think we all kind of cringe when we get those first second down carries from Joe Mixon. You're just like, gosh, you like you, you got the race car, just give him the freaking keys and let him go a little bit. Like you see anytime you, you, you turn them on and it, it starts to work. So. Well, and I think, I think with the Bengals as an underdog, you will probably get less of the Joe Mixon stuff. I always joke, and I've been to like six Bengals games this year, and I said, like, nothing takes the air out of that stadium like Joe Mixon running the ball on early downs. <laughs> and, like, I, I thought, you know, when the, when I went into the – when they went into the Kansas City game, I said, look, like, you – if you're Zach Taylor or Joe – and I think Joe Burrow's controlling it more now. And I do think when I was watching the Raiders game, every time – and I had under in that game. I also had both kickers over one-and-a-half field goals – and every time they ran the ball, I thought that Zach Taylor was giving me a gift because it was, it's just it, that team is so much better at throwing the ball. And I understand the injury risk and I understand all that. But I, it, to me, I, when I look at this and I think, OK, the Bengals were about three and a half point dogs to Kansas City. And they came out and, and, and I know part of it was them getting behind early, but they, they abandoned a lot of that nonsense in that game. And, they, and they, they chose variance. And I hope that, you know, as somebody who, like I said, I'm with Connor. I like the Bengals. But also I think the team total for the Bengals would be a play. I hope they, I hope they come into this game thinking they're the underdog. Because I think that that eliminates a lot of the Joe Mixon stuff. And the stuff in between their deep passing game is also pretty good. I think CJ Uzama is really good after the catch as a tight end. I, I think Tyler Boyd's a wonderful slot receiver. So they have other stuff that they can complement because there were stretches of the season where Jamar Chase didn't show up. And so, like, what what is their left hand? I think their left hand is developed enough to to play well if Jamar Chase doesn't become this elite player. Um, and even T. Higgins. Now, Higgins kind of disappeared last week. Yeah. But for the most part, I think he has done a good job of stepping up when Jamar Chase hasn't been that ace uh, in some of the Bengals games. And then, too, we knew last week, you know, the bugaboo for the Bengals is their inability to protect Joe Burrow, right? I mean, no one was hit more. No one was sacked more. But, again, last week against the Raiders, Raiders looking at PFF's pass rush grade. The Raiders are a top six pass rush unit. The Titans are 27th. Um, they are, you know, pretty low in as far as, like, basically anything you're looking at, whether it's football outsiders, adjusted sack rate, or, you know, the, the – pass rush win rate stuff from ESPN. Like the Titans just are middling at best. And uh, if they are going to have the ability to keep him clean, that kind of alleviates any concerns that we have where things kind of start when it's a, you know, house of cards starts to come down here on the Bengals. If they're going to keep him upright, I think this is a really nice spot. So getting the hook, I think is a really nice spot. So we're all on the same side here. That's probably an issue because um, that never goes well. But we're, all, uh, we're not NFL like talking heads on, you know, like, uh, you know, ESPN who are just like throwing shit against the wall. So, you know, like, I feel like, I feel like it's okay to be on the same side. <laughs> yeah. I definitely, the hook feels right here for sure. And uh, I like the, you know, plus plus one seventy or so that Connor got on the money line, but we'll see, we'll see if we get any late steam here come Sunday or Saturday morning. Uh, see if that moves at all. But I, I think if it does, it, it probably moves back. If to you three. look at, if you look at pinnacle sports right now, which is sort of, you know, one of the leading edges, for sure. you know, it is, I mean, I think, I think I wouldn't be surprised if this thing closed at three. Yeah. 
That makes sense. All right, get on that three and a half while you can, folks. Uh, next one on Saturday evening is going to be a good one. We got the Niners on the road in Green Bay. Green Bay six across the board now. Uh, if we look at the total, I think there's some variations. Forty six and a half at Fanduel, uh, forty seven everywhere else in the marketplace, which is interesting because uh, forty seven tends to be a key number there as far as totals goes. It's a rematch from Week Three in San Fran with some late game heroics there from Rodgers and Adams, which is incredible. Uh, Help them. Uh, getting the field goal range late in that one for Mason Crosby. So was trending under in a big way as well. And then we had like a 27-point fourth quarter that put it over the total. Uh, some early steam here on the Niners. Again, makes sense. Same premise that we had the last game with the team coming off the bye. Although Green Bay obviously more respect in the market than Tennessee has had. But obviously the Niners, you know, look good, especially for three quarters in Dallas there. Uh, they are getting some people back, right? They are getting Jair Alexander. Azadarius Smith, David Bakhtiari came back in a limited fashion there in that last game against the Lions. And then Randall Cobb as well, uh, trending in the right direction. Eric, what's your early lean here? Yeah, this is one where the opening number made little sense to me. You know, it was four and a half at open. And, Hmm. you know, I think when you add up kind of like the, you know, you don't even handicap the game. You just add it up and you're saying, okay, uh, Packers coming off a bye, uh, a playoff bye, which is worth more than a regular season bye. Then you also have, uh, home field advantage and in Green Bay it's weird where you have to like travel to Appleton and then you have to drive over to Green Bay and you also have the research that you know if your ambient uh, you know climate is warm and you go to a cold place there isn't a little bit added there um, you know like let's say you make home field advantage plus a buy like three here right which I think is conservative then an opener of four and a half basically implies that the Packers are only a point and a half better than Sam Fran on a neutral field which I think is absurd, right? Like, I don't think that that's mm-hmm. something that any of us would buy into, especially with the Packers being a pretty healthy, right? Getting Bakhtiari back, getting Jared Alexander back, getting Zadarius Smith back. And the Niners also, and I think this is a hidden thing, the thumb and the shoulder with Garoppolo, easier to deal with when you're inside at SoFi Stadium, inside at Jerry World, far harder to deal with, as the Rams found out last year in the playoffs with Jared Goff's thumb in Lambeau Field. And so... I think you add all that up, and I, I think that the move to six makes a lot of sense. Um, I think at six, I'm probably ambivalent. I mean, like, I took some four and a half. I took some five and a half. You know, it does look like it It could be trending towards six and a half. I think that would be the point at which uh, actually it looks like it's probably going to stay at six. I, I at, at six and a half, I would buy back some San Francisco just because I think there's variance in that game. There's... Um, you know, I think Shanahan is very good. I also think the Packers, if you look at their the way that they were trending as a run defense down the stretch, they were getting softer against teams like Cleveland. Even, even in that half against Detroit, they weren't impressive at all in Week 18. But early on, the number was just way too short. And I think that, you know, the the movement to six makes a lot of sense to me. Yeah, what are your early leans here, Connor? Did you get in on any of the early stuff? Because it... Four and a half was out there for a little bit longer than I even thought because it did seem wrong. No, I didn't get in on any of the early stuff. And I think largely because of uh, the mismatch in the running game, I think, for the Packers and the 49ers. Like, I really think that, you know, in any normal situation, like, I would – if a quarterback is, you know, injured or playing at, like, whatever, 75%, which seems like what Garoppolo's probably going to play at, like, maybe 80%, 90% max um, – you know, like I would, I would lean towards the other side, and I think Eric did a great job breaking down why the Packers, uh, you know, I think still at 
you know, anything less than a touchdown or in a decent spot. My only concern is that we have a Niners team who I think their offense is like actually capable of running, like going through their running game. Like it's one of the few teams in the NFL that I think can actually, you know, run a successful offense through their running game. Uh, and they have a soft match against the Packers, you know, 30th right now in run D EPA uh, on the season. Uh, I mean, I think that Elijah Mitchell could go out and have a massive game if the 49ers really spend like all week just figuring out how to successfully run the ball. And I, I mean, given Jimmy Garoppolo's situation and how bad Trey Lance has looked, I would not be surprised if that's the case. Is like they just realize like they have to run the ball ball, ball well to win. Um, if you're, because I mean, even in that spot, I think Jimmy Garoppolo could probably play all right. But you know, he's not a guy who can put the team on his back regardless. So I think that if that was the entire week game planning, I think that the 49ers are very much alive. But at the same time. Like Eric said, I think just straight out the Packers are a better team. So it's kind of one of those better team versus like I think that there's an interesting mismatch on the other way. Yeah, because all those bodies coming back for Green Bay are great. Like Alexander and Smith are great, but they don't necessarily help bolster the run defense, which is still a problem. And, you, you know, Eric mentioned too, like it was kind of a lackluster finish to the season. You know, they barely didn't cover, barely beat the Browns at home. I mean, getting a little backdoor scores made it look worse. Same thing happened in Baltimore against Tyler Huntley, like – they just didn't have that like foot on the throat that they kind of had early in the season for whatever reason. That's probably natural over the course of a season when they, you know, knew that they were in the playoffs. But uh, yeah, I mean, it seems like there's kind of both those matchups. Like I don't know that the Packers are going to be able to run with a ton of success either. Like this Rams or this uh, Niners rush defense is terrific. They're top two. You know, it was a, a big issue for us last week. Why we were on Dak over attempts, why we were under on Zeke because like they're stout. They're second in success rate. They're second in EPA. Like they get it done. Like DJ Jones, Eric Armstead are you know top five guys from like a run stuff win rate you know percentage. Like they are a problem. So surprisingly, they ran pretty decent in the first matchup. But uh, yeah, I think that they're going to have to throw the ball here. So from a prop standpoint, we might have to look at some maybe some Rogers overs, which is not something we typically do because he's usually such a low volume guy. But like eighteen targets to Adams in the first matchup. There's no one in the back half for the Niners that can hang with him. So they're getting, again, healthy there, too. You probably have MVS back, too, Cobb. So um, I got a little bit at five and a half on the Packers, and I feel pretty good about that because I do think, you know, being a little bit under the six, and I think six makes a ton of sense here. But, uh, yeah, there are definitely some some pretty good mismatches and some weaknesses to attack here on both sides. So it's going to be it's gonna be a fun one. I just want, I just want good football. I want uh, Jimmy G to hopefully be healthy and keep this here because I think just these are – Smart coaches. Uh, I know, again, you kind of get into this thing where they're boys, and I think that they definitely want to get each other a little bit here too, and I think that makes for a little bit of extra motivation and uh, makes for good football. The, you know, we can always thing, do motivation. The one thing interesting about this game and maybe why the initial market was, you know, one and a half basically point difference is going into the season, the San Francisco 49ers and a lot of sports books were third most likely team to win, to win the Super Bowl. And, you know, priors matter, and I think – you know, as with Buffalo, and I think this is one of the things we'll talk about with Buffalo, once a team that everybody thought was good plays plays well, yeah. we all sort of underway all the bad things that they've done through a season. And the thing with Green Bay and why they've been, you know, they were 11-2 and two the first 13 games against the spread, I believe, is that the market never really knew what to do with Jordan Love and Aaron Rodgers. And when Aaron Rodgers came back, they they didn't go immediately to the one endpoint that included Rodgers, right? Like their win total was still like 10, 10 and a half. It didn't even get to 11, 11 and a half. And then they got crushed in week one at Jacksonville against New Orleans. And again, that was a, the books, you know. So I think like a lot of this is even just prior still sort of dripping through the entire marketplace for 19 weeks and giving us this number. 
And to me, that's probably something to have exploited early on. But I do agree with Connor. Football is a game of mismatches, and that that is one reason to like San Francisco, I think, especially if this number gets out to six and a half or so. Uh, any concern on the injury side for you know, the Niners with with Fred Warner and Nick Bosa? Do you think you know reactionary news that comes if either are ruled out? Do you think that they impact the market at all, Eric? Uh, usually they don't. Um, I would think I would say both would probably move at a half a point. Yeah, just because we know what cluster injuries can do in the NFL, and um, it sounds like Bosa is going to play. It sounds like Warner is like a low ankle sprain, which is the good type of ankle sprain if you want to have one, I guess. So <laughs> I think that they, they avoided catastrophe there. Um, but, but yeah, I think collectively they probably would be worth a half a point if they were both ruled out. Um, but a lot of times these markets are shading that direction anyway, uh, much like in, you know, in the off season when I, you know, I just talked about Jordan Love and Rodgers, like when Rodgers' decision was up in the air, they kind of split the difference a little bit for most of the off season. And I think when, when injury news is like this, I think the market tends to equilibrate that way as well. If anything, maybe you see the number go down when those two are, are announced to be playing. That makes sense. All right. Tell you real quick about our uh, sponsor prop swap. Uh, a lot of the good stuff has been soaked up, but there's still some good stuff out there. You can get a Niners ticket at seven to one to win the NFC. It's, five five and a half basically everywhere uh 17 to one on the Bengals to win it all uh basically 12 to 15 out there uh prop swap is definitely uh, an interesting way to get advantage of getting some you know closing line value uh taking advantage of some tickets that are out there again when you buy that ticket in vegas or your sports book locally you know that ticket is yours to do whatever this is a legal way to buy and sell uh prop tickets so again head over to propswap.com promo code 444 you get a first deposit match up to $500. Great way to get access to golf futures, college. You can get into some Heisman stuff. It's going to be a great place for the draft, I think. Uh, so, again, hit us up if you have any questions. Propswap.com it is a great place to buy and sell tickets. All right, let's get into the Sunday action here. Another rematch from week three. We have the Rams in Tampa. Tampa is minus three across the board. And the total, 48 and a half. FanDuel, again, a little shaded under. They are just 48. Uh, so they are a little bit under on the market so far this week. We had a big offensive showing. He's probably one of Stafford's best performances of the season. Uh, played really well in that game, threw a bunch of touchdowns. They forced uh, Brady to throw a ton. They didn't have a ton of success. Uh, what are your thoughts here, Eric, in this matchup? Yeah, I mean, that, I would be surprised if this thing didn't close two and a half even. Um, this is another one where the injury news, I think, is going to matter. Um, you know, we're all talking about Tristan Wirfs because we saw it explicitly happen. We saw Brady take the four sacks. We talked, you know, the three third down sacks uh, in the competitive part of that game. Um, no Godwin, uh, no Antonio Brown, you know, no Leonard Fournette, which I, that shouldn't matter too much. And so I think a lot of the narrative is, okay, the Bucks are banged up. Now, to me, I, I don't think we're paying enough attention about what could happen to the Rams, right? Andrew Whitworth is, is currently questionable as to whether or not he's going to play. Every time McVay's offense has failed, you know, 2019, I, I consider it sort of a failure of his offense. You know, at times 2020, it's been because the offensive line has played poorly. And, you know, Whitworth is the best offensive lineman on that team. And, you know, with him out and, you know, this is sort of like we're going through the Rolodex of memories again. It's like, you know, Jason Pierre-Paul, uh, Vita Vea, uh, Shaq Barrett, and Joe Tryon Shoinka, they can make Stafford's life a little bit miserable. And Stafford isn't quite the 
one, two, three, throw it guy who can protect his offensive line the same way that Brady is. So I think the marketplace is sort of overweighing all the narratives with the Bucks. It's also part partially, we're just bored of Tampa Bay. We're bored of Tom Brady too. And, and I think that's part of that's going into it as well. Um, and we're not looking at, for example, like Jordan Fuller's out for uh, the Rams. He's the guy that calls the plays on their defense, and they had to go with Eric Weddle last week. Mm-hmm. We're also look, we're also coming off one of the Rams' most impressive wins in the Sean McVay era, uh, a playoff win where they win by multiple scores, and the game was really never in doubt. To me, I think this number is too short. I, I do think, um, especially if it gets to two and a half, and that, and that just means a lot of people disagree with me, which means, you know, again, if you have respect for the market, you know, don't necessarily pile on here, but I, I, I think that this number is a little bit too short. I think the Bucks should should be at least you know three and a half in this game, and and, uh, and I think a lot of it is just because you know of the the sort of staggerness of when the injuries happen and when they're in sort of our mindset for this game. Yeah, I agree. And we'd like to see like Josh Wells too, like their swing tackle kind of got dinged up with a quad uh, when Wars went down too, and. You know, Jensen went down the center, you know, all world center. He came back. So hopefully he's fine. But like, obviously you say cluster injuries become a real problem here, considering all the other things that kind of to mount up. Uh, Connor, what are your thoughts here? Yeah, I know it's a little bit scary, but I think that the under for me, I like, I like a good bit here. Um, You know, we've talked about it before here with like Brady struggling most with interior pressure. You know, obviously Aaron Donald could provide that. Um, You know, I think that he'd also like, I mean, kind of to pair with that, you know, he doesn't have his quicker option weapons, as you mentioned, like like A.B. and Godwin, guys who are able to get open quickly, like in the slot, like Mike Evans is just not not generally that guy. So, I mean, who is that guy for them? You know, like you're looking at, I mean, maybe like a Gio Bernard, like, uh, I mean. Tyler Gronk, Johnson. Yeah. Tyler Johnson, Gronk to some extent, but even then it's not really been his thing anymore. Like that's not really what he's doing. So, um, like that's, you know, that that's not really something that I would be excited about there. And then on the other side, the other side of the, you mentioned it here. I mean, the Bucks defense has been good. Like, you know, pr- prior to this season, you know, they had been like not really st- that strong in the secondary, but they've really shored up that up this year. I mean, they've been top 10 unit in both like, you know, pass defense and run defense this year. Uh, so, you know, it's not like it's an easy matchup for the Rams. My only concern is that like, and we talked about this, I guess, throughout the year is if the Rams offense is clicking, like, I mean, they're an elite unit, like they're able to beat anyone single-handedly. The issue is that like, they're so streaky and, you know, running into a tough matchup here, I think that that's, this is not, you know, I'm just not sure that this is the spot, uh, you know, based on all the metrics and everything that we've seen. So I think that the under here is my lean, but I mean, taking an under with these two caliber offenses is scary. I just think that given the mismatch or the, the matchups, like uh, I'm having a tough time seeing like a clear path to either team having like a ton of success. Yeah, weather reports for the wind have gone up over the past, you know, few days and that you've seen a little bit, you know, model based, you know, if you look at like our public model, you know, went from, you know, sort of a number of like 49 to now a number of like 47 and a half. So like we, that is sort of an agreement there. The, the wind is, you know, projected anywhere from 10 to 15 miles an hour, which is, you know, sort of what you saw last week, their game went under against Philadelphia, I think mercifully <laughs> because, uh, but you saw on the sideline with, you know, they go to Bruce Arians and like the pant legs on his leg, they, they're, they're blowing in the wind. And like, again, that, that affects, uh, you know, either team and, and even, you know, the, it, like it, if you get a blowout on either end of this game, we've seen what happens as well. Like the Rams got a blowout Monday, Bucks got a blowout uh, Sunday, and both games went under uh, a total that was a little bit shorter than this as well. 
Um, or actually the Rams game closed at 49, but it'd be basically the same number. So I, I don't mind that as well. I do think Giovanni Bernard gives them kind of that James White um, that Brady has always preferred. And he looks look spry. At, he looked good. Yeah, you look at past playoff games. So, like, you know, Kev, it was Kevin Falk in the early 2000s. Mm-hmm. You know, Shane Vereen caught 11 balls in that Super Bowl against Seattle. Uh, you know, uh, the one that, uh, you know, uh, Malcolm Butler got the interception. And then, obviously, James White had that big game against the Falcons. Yeah. Like, I do think that that's kind of Brady's thing that he's been looking for all year. And I think he found it a little bit against Philadelphia. That being said, Philadelphia's defense – I, I was sort of surprised that their defensive coordinator was getting head coaching looks because they're not imaginative at all. And I think, you know, compared to to the Rams defense, they're, they're not much. So uh, I, I, I I could if if I had the heart for it, I think I could bet under here. <laughs> yeah. Yes, they're no fun unders, you know, especially totals like, gosh, you're just holding your ass as soon as the game starts, just hoping things go sideways. I don't know. I'd be interested to see if the if the Bucks for multiple reasons here go with a heavier 12 personnel because it can do a couple things, right? It can help them a little bit if they decide they want to chip and support some of the offensive line issues. I also think that it supports taking advantage of some of the issues that the Rams have as far as, you know, you mentioned the Jordan Fuller issue, you know, Taylor Rapp probably coming back after missing with a concussion last week, but like exploiting, you know, Eric Weddle out there, knowing that you have Cam Brate, like you have multiple pass catchers, you know, OJ Howard, is still alive. Like you can simply decide to mix some guys in and, you know, are you really losing a lot by going 12 with a little bit more cam break versus jamming targets to Tyler Johnson, who's really not doing a ton. And then you can exploit this kind of where the Rams strength is. So I'd be interested to see that can kind of solve multiple things at once here. So again, lower Ray dot passes probably too. Like you see these cam break games where just sometimes usage spikes and he's out there for you know a bunch more snaps. So they are definitely willing to, you know, adapt to whatever they can get from their, their opponent. So uh, you get me uh, minus two and a half on Tom Brady at home in the playoffs against Matthew Stafford. I am, uh, I'm, I'm going pretty heavy on that. So I'm definitely, if you think that that's going to happen, I'm going to hold off on, on the three here, but I'll definitely will take the bucks at three too. Cause I think it's definitely the right side. There are some two and a half in the market right now. So you look at uh points bet sugar house and Unibet all have uh two and a half. Oh buddy. So if you're yeah. interested, you know, shop. Yeah, around. I'm seeing minus one fifteen on points bet. Yeah. Mm-hmm. All right. We got work to do after, so we gotta get through this last game. Um, last one's gonna be great. We can't rush this one. Buffalo, Kansas City. This is uh let me double check here. We got uh anywhere from two and a half on DraftKings to one and a half on FanDuel. So not a great middle opportunity, but there are definitely some uh varying opinions out there. Total anywhere between fifty-four and fifty-four and a half. Uh, obviously, again, both these teams are trending. So to Eric's point mentioned earlier, you know, Buffalo had that hiccup a little bit, and now we are seeing what we maybe thought they were going to be early in the season. And we're coming off of basically it's a historic performance that we saw against New England. They absolutely curb stomped them. It's such a dominant way. And, the, you know, sometimes I think we've seen some hyperbole a little bit in the last, you know, 72 hours or so. But I think there is a case that, like, high upside – ceiling games from Josh Allen are as good as anyone out there. And it's really, really hard to try to unsee that. And again, they have had success. They, you know, won there earlier this season. They showed up pretty well last year. Uh, but again, the Chiefs sometimes are just too much. They don't necessarily have that ceiling this year, Eric. And I know that's been a struggle, but they've turned it on of late. Defense has been a little bit better. What are your thoughts here? Yeah, I, I think this is, it comes down to this for me. I think if Buffalo and Kansas City play their best performance, Buffalo wins. 
I, I think if Buffalo and Kansas City both play their median performance, the Chiefs win. Because um, I think Buffalo puts together, you know, at their best, I think their defense is really hard to, to score against because they're disciplined, they make tackles, they, they stay in their rush lanes, and they make you cross the street 10, or, you know, 10 times to get to the end zone. And they, they make a bet that you'll eventually get hit by a car, right? And, you know, I, and, I, and in the first matchup, you know, everybody's going to look at the Chiefs defense, and I think that makes sense. You know, no Chris Jones, no Traverius Ward. Legereus Sneed gave up a perfect passer rating, playing out of position. Daniel Sorensen was starting instead of Juan Thornhill. Uh, ben Neiman was starting instead of Nick Bolton and Willie Gay. Like, a lot has changed. No no Melvin Ingram, for example, back in the first matchup. Yep. Like, I think the Chiefs defense is going to do the expect, you know, be the expected team here. Um, but to me, uh, I think this is going to be a, a situation where, um, again, you have to you have to decide whether this is Josh Allen's average game or whether it's it's sort of uh, you know high variance game. He's nothing but high variance, Connor. Uh, we, we've seen that last again was special the other night to watch him absolutely dominate. Uh, even passes he's you know intending to throw away. Um, we're, you know, caught for a touchdown. I know we can't talk about him being awesome because, you know, we have a buddy and mutual friend who's a, you know, big Patriots fan, uh, as I claim to be, but because I acknowledge with my eyeballs that Josh Allen was special and dominant, uh, you know, he was still really, still really sad that the Pats didn't show up. But, uh, again, to Eric's point, it doesn't really matter if we get that game from, from Josh Allen, this team is going to win the Super Bowl if we have three more of these. But, uh, what do we have here this week? Yeah, I actually, I kind of like the Chiefs because the more that I looked at it, you know, I think that, uh, you know, not only is the defense a lot different from the last time they played, like if we look at like how the Chiefs defense trended, right? So weeks one through seven, Chiefs allowed 29 points per game, more than 27 points in all but one of those seven games. Uh, you know, from that point on, allowed just 16.5 points per game. Now they're at home. Uh, I mean, they've been also just on fire offensively since the bye. 28 or more points in six of seven games. They've also won 10 of the last 11, like, I just don't think that, you know, them rounding into form is kind of really being talked about enough because, you know, when they're at their best, they're, I mean, truly a special team. And so is Buffalo. Um, but I'm a little less confident that we see multiple ceiling Josh Allen games, uh, especially like at Arrowhead, you know, against a, a Chiefs defense, which I think at this point is, is you know, considerably tough. So, you know, I, I get that the, the Bills defense is probably better. They also know about them, too. They did not. Their EPA did not go down at all without Tredavious Ward. I think their their pass defense actually went up, uh, like in the splits without that. And obviously, that's probably somewhat schedule fueled, but still, I thought that that was interesting to note because you know many people were probably anticipating a, a pretty sizable drop off. But even again, according to PFF grades, I don't think that he graded out that well, if I remember correctly. So, well, because they you know we know running the football doesn't matter that much, but they had massive drop from a EPA and success rate standpoint against the run with Tredavious White out. But because we, they were talking about with uh, Ben Solak, they went to a lot more, they've gone through a lot more subsets, right? There's a lot more dime and nickel than some of the base stuff that they were performing at early in the season, which is why we saw them, they were tops across the board. Again, schedule-based, we're, we're manipulating small samples to begin with. But like, again, without Tredavious White, yes, they held up from an EPA standpoint against the pass, but you were able to run on them. So again, like, is this Jerry McKinnon, right? Spark, uh, spark baby that we've loved for years, finally getting the shot here. And, and, you know, he looked good too the other night. So like the Chiefs probably are able to run on, on, on the bills here if they decide that they want to, too. So again, like, yeah, they won. And they, you look at the final score, what happened early in the season was, you know, kind of lopsided, but like, again, four turnovers from the chiefs 
I think two inside the 10. So like those are, you know, big time plays that are going to jack up any EPA or DVOA and totally flip a game. So like, again, a little noisy on that first matchup. Um, I'm surprised this is in the full three, but again, I, I seeing what I saw last with the bills, I'm trying, I'm trying not to be that fish, but again, that, that Josh Allen thing is sticking with me and it's really, really hard to beat. I, I don't know what to do on this one. I'm still kind of, still kind of on the fence. You guys are both on the chiefs here. Yeah, I, I like Kansas City here. Um, you know, laying laying the points here. Hold on a second. <laughs> sorry about. That. Sorry, I'm I'm late at the office. Um, You're all good. Uh, yeah, I I like Kansas City laying the points here. I, I'm not as confident as it's in it as some of the other ones, but yeah, to me, I think it, it's it's all the things that you said, like. The Chiefs, you know, since, you know, other than the Bengals game and to a lesser extent, the Denver game, they've, they've gotten better athletes on the field. They've tackled better. They've played better defense as a result. And, you know, because of that, uh, you know, they're, you know, again, I, I expect the Chiefs to do the expected thing on defense. And I think if they do that, then it opens up their offense to not have to be perfect the way that it had to be in the first seven games. And why you saw a lot of pressing from them and a lot of turnovers out of Mahomes is because, they sort of knew that every single possession had to be uh, a, a touchdown. All I know is you take the over on both rushing numbers here on these quarterbacks. We already hammered those earlier today, uh, feeding into the narrative that uh, we've actually backed up a little bit. We've seen that, you know, rushing quarterbacks, uh, guys that typically average north of 20 yards per game in the regular season, run a little bit more in the playoffs. And uh, the Mahomes number is a little light. The Josh Allen number still a little bit light, though we've, uh, you think, moved it a little bit earlier today. But uh should be a fun one. I love that it's the last one. Um, I definitely think that this is a Super Bowl representative, and whoever wins this one is, is definitely moving on, though I'm sure Connor will fight us next week if the, if the Bengals are still hanging around. So, uh, Eric, you are the man. I appreciate it. I know you're busy and, again, doing your own show. So, uh, on short notice, we appreciate it. Uh, tell everyone where they can find all your stuff. Yeah, so I'm uh, PFF underscore Eric on Twitter. Uh, the PFF forecast comes out basically Monday morning right after – uh, Sunday Night Football um, live there. And then uh, Wednesday nights, uh, it comes out on YouTube and, and, and iTunes and everything. And then we have a special thing this week. We did it a little bit last week, but during this Buffalo-Kansas City game, we're going to have a live watch along where my colleague Ben Brown and I talk about some pregame bets. And then we, we make a, a series of in-game wagers uh, and let people uh, sort of follow along and, and comment along with us. So uh, that was a lot of fun last week. My voice might not be uh, ready to do it again, but, uh, but yeah, it'll be a lot of fun. And I really appreciate you guys having me on. It's been so much fun, uh, you know, sort of doing the football season with everybody, you know, in, in the gambling and, and uh, fantasy spaces, you guys included. Love it. Appreciate it. Yeah. Big fan of Ben too. We had him on the season and super sharp. So everyone should definitely tune in better than anything you're going to get from a broadcast standpoint. So uh, watching other guys sweat bets and uh, you know, you can heckle them and tail them. Tailing them is probably your best bets because uh, two sharp guys for sure. So, Uh, Again, thanks so much, Eric. Uh, So for Eric and Connor, I'm Ryan. We'll see you on Friday night for the Prop Show. Thanks, everyone. Yeah!